0: You're listening to Policy Currents, a weekly podcast from the RAND Corporation. I'm Deanna Lee.
1: And I'm Evan Banks. Every Friday, we bring you new insights from RAND's latest research and commentary. It's June 19th.
0: After the killing of George Floyd by police and the wave of protests around the world that followed, lawmakers in the U.S. are facing urgent calls to reform policing. In a new Q&A, four RAND researchers discuss what we know about the effectiveness of some proposed policy changes, how some social problems could be handled by agencies other than law enforcement, what defund the police means, and much more. Here's just a sample of what our researchers discussed.
1: Megan Cahill leads RAND's policing research and focuses on crime prevention and improving police-community relations. She says that there are a number of policies that activists are pushing for, banning chokeholds, for instance, that research shows are indeed associated with fewer instances of officers using force. But pushing for implementation will be crucial, she says. It won't be enough to just have these policies on the books.
0: Other policies, such as the use of body cameras, have also been debated. According to John Hollywood, head of Rand's Center for Quality Policing, Body worn cameras can be effective at deterring attacks on officers and reducing officers' use of force. But there are also open questions and concerns about how body cameras are used. For example, do officers need to keep their cameras on whenever they're engaging with the community? And do they need to let people know that they're being recorded from the second that they arrive on a scene?
1: Perhaps the biggest rallying cry since George Floyd was killed has been Defund the police. What exactly does this mean? Well, Rand's Dulani Woods says it's hard to find a definition that everyone would agree to. But this approach could range from abolishing police agencies entirely to focusing on redirecting funds from police departments to other agencies that ultimately may be better equipped to deal with social issues like mental health, drug and alcohol misuse, and homelessness. Wood says he's been surprised by how much police executives have already demonstrated a willingness to consider this. The rest of our experts agreed that there are a number of social challenges that could be handled by other agencies. Bob Harrison, a former police officer and police chief who's now a researcher at RAND, says that placing more of an emphasis on mental health and social services professionals could help reduce some of the issues that become the most contentious for police.
0: Whatever happens next, the public's demand for change doesn't appear to be waning. So this could be an opportunity for policymakers and law enforcement to join an important conversation and to systematically improve policing in the U.S. You can read the full conversation with our researchers on the Rand blog.
1: Another proposed solution to fighting police brutality and racism is the ban of facial recognition software. Last week, IBM announced that it was leaving the facial recognition business altogether. Shortly thereafter, Microsoft and Amazon each announced that they would at least temporarily prohibit law enforcement agencies from using their facial recognition software. And on Capitol Hill, lawmakers introduced new legislation that would specifically ban facial recognition analysis of footage from police body cameras. These bans claim to address race and gender bias in facial recognition technology. But RAND experts warn that bans won't repair the underlying problem, the imbalance of power between citizens and law enforcement. Consider this analogy. We don't blind ourselves just because our eyes are imperfect. We learn to calibrate the trust we put in our less-than-perfect vision, or we buy glasses. Technology may not be all that different. Facial recognition software has widely known weaknesses and shortcomings, including poor performance when recognizing people with darker skin. But these flaws could be fixed in the near future, and facial recognition can still be an important tool. That's why stronger governance may be a better way to defend against the improper use of facial recognition, and to hold law enforcement accountable. Our researchers say that although broader police reform may be more difficult to achieve, in the long run, it will be more effective than any specific technology ban.
0: There are about 39,000 firearm-related deaths every year in the U.S. To learn more about what might reduce this number, RAND researchers examined three types of common gun policies. Child access prevention laws, right-to-carry laws, and stand-your-ground laws. They found that states with the most restrictive combination of these policies are estimated to have 11% fewer firearm deaths than states with the least restrictive combination of these policies. In other words, state policies that restrict how people store, carry, and use their weapons are likely to have a small but meaningful effect on reducing the number of firearm-related suicides and homicides. Nationwide, This reduction corresponds to 4,475 fewer firearm deaths per year. And notably, there are 18 states that currently have the most permissive combination of the policy studied, which is no child access prevention laws, but both right-to-carry and stand-your-ground statutes. These findings are the latest from Rand's Gun Policy in America initiative, which seeks to establish a shared set of facts to improve public discussions and support the development of fair and effective gun policies. To learn more about this study and the rest of our gun policy research, visit rand.org gunpolicy
1: Results from a nationally representative RAND survey provide some insights into how the pandemic has affected America's workers. Between February and May, one in six workers lost their jobs. Most were either laid off, furloughed, or put on unpaid leave, or they were unable to work because of coronavirus restrictions. Others were unable to work because they were at risk for coronavirus complications, or because of childcare demands. On the flip side, the ability to work from home has helped protect many jobs. Survey results indicate that, of the people whose jobs allowed telecommuting in February, only 6% had lost their jobs by May. But among those who could not telecommute in February, 25% had lost their jobs by May. Of course, not all jobs are conducive to telecommuting, and it remains to be seen how employers will adapt, if they even can adapt, to accommodate the changing needs of the workforce.
0: Being a working parent, especially a working mother, is hard. Getting a job, in fact, is harder for mothers than for their childless female counterparts, and when they are offered a job, they receive lower salary offers than women without children. Working mothers are also more likely than fathers to put in a second shift at home, carrying out a greater share of household tasks. During the pandemic, working moms are facing even greater challenges. With closures due to COVID-19, they've had to reconfigure their lives and take on full-time childcare and homeschooling duties. And there's early evidence to suggest that the pandemic's increased mental burden hasn't been borne equally among mothers and fathers. While women overall report negative mental health impacts from the pandemic at a higher rate than men do, this gap is particularly profound for parents of children under the age of 18. 57% of mothers, compared to 32% of fathers, reported negative mental health impacts from the pandemic. Rand experts say that the squeeze on working moms may only cascade from here. As businesses reopen, the continued closure of schools, summer camps, and childcare centers will likely require at least one parent, often the mother, to continue to work from home or forego working altogether. And on top of all these additional pressures, Working mothers continue to face biased assumptions that they're less productive than their working father counterparts. On the whole, this situation could lead to devastating career consequences for working moms of today and tomorrow.
1: Rand is a nonprofit institution that helps improve policy and decision making through research and analysis. For more on what we covered this week, check the show notes at rand.org/podcast. See you next week.